Hey guys, happy Monday and happy 4th of July um, weekend, I guess, or 4th of July observed, July 5th, whatever. I'm so excited to share this episode with you all. I had such an awesome time recording with Siobhan and I think this episode just like is super relatable and specifically if um, I don't know if you've gone through a breakup or a move or um, just family issues, there's a lot that can be taken um, and learned from. Sorry that my voice is really stuffy. I've had a really bad cold these past couple of days and I can barely talk. So um, I guess my only you know, quick plug would be to check out Talkspace because they're an awesome sponsor and uh, they have helped me so much just in my career with my podcast and, um, you know, it's an easy way to get started with therapy and obviously Shiv and I mentioned therapy a lot in this episode as I do with most of my guests and as I do with most of my episodes. So if you're looking for a way to get started with therapy but don't know where to go, um, Talkspace is a great place to begin your journey. And plus, you can use the code ZOE, Z-O-E, for $100 off your first month. All right, I really need to stop talking because I sound like a goat. Um, but here is the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Solace in the City. Today, I am so excited to be here with one of my first friends in Austin, Siobhan Leiden. Hey. Siobhan Leiden, apparently. Siobhan <laughs> Leiden. Um, yeah, but awesome. Like, I'm so excited to be here and recording with you and continuing our conversation from this morning via text. But if you don't mind, first introducing yourself to my listeners, telling me a little bit about where you're from, how old are you, where'd you grow up? What's your story? Yes. Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Siobhan Lydon. I am 28 years old, and I grew up in New Jersey. I spent most of my growing up was in Basking Ridge, New Jersey. Shout out Ridge High School. Um, and then I stayed there till I was 18 and went to Tulane University, so moved to New Orleans, and then ended up staying there for another four years or so, so like eight years in New Orleans, and then came to Austin and I have been here for almost three years I think I'm like the longest standing Austinite of the squad which says a lot <laughs> um, but uh yeah I'm happy to be here and I love you Zoe so I'm happy to do this oh, I'm so excited wait that's actually wild because it's so true I feel like I think of everyone having been here for so long because I came here six months ago um but yeah three years like it's a long time. Three years in Austin is a fucking lifetime. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Can I curse? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going Definitely. to. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like I can speak for myself and others in saying that, like, one of the first qualities, like, when I met you is just, like, you exude confidence. And it's not the type of confidence that is a show. It's not like I know people who, you know – put on like um, um, a mask to kind of like hide their insecurities like yours is just straight authenticity or at least for the most part 
no i'm actually a fake ass bitch yeah <laughs> no but like <laughs> in in all sincerity in it, it's like why people are attracted to you it's why you know you have such incredible friends and people really gravitate towards you so i guess if you could kind of go back in time and explain like is that something you always had or how did you build that confidence because it's such a rare quality especially nowadays Whew. okay well it's a long story um no I have not <laughs> always been this confident at all growing up I was super insecure I actually got bullied a lot growing up um for I grew up in a super white town so I was like one of the only non-white people around and I'm half white so that shows and like it I didn't feel good about myself for a really long time but slowly built up my confidence um in different ways I suppose but I think that the reason that I am the way I am is because I was like humbled by my mental health experience uh which was basically started when I was I was lucky that from like up until 18 or 19 I lived a pretty privileged lifestyle besides all the bullying shit but like my life was not that hard but I was actually thinking about like when I transitioned into realizing I had mental health things to deal with and I remember like moments coming back from like a bullying experience or like a sad experience with a boy or whatever in middle school when you like you go home and you like cry in your bed whatever but you think of that as like a moment in time and you know like you're gonna be sad and you're gonna cry it out and you're gonna be fine but when you like transition into the anxiety depression part that's when like it becomes like a a so, uh, like defines you more yeah. so than just momentary things like now I'm defined as a sad person so I remember that switch happening very vividly when I was like 19 years old there was a lot of shit going on with my family and really scary dark shit that I didn't talk to anyone about and um internalized I wasn't even like I was not allowed to tell my parents about it like I really couldn't tell anyone about it and I internalized it so hard and was having like extreme panic attacks like I remember especially my sophomore year of college like walking outside of a frat party or whatever and just like having like smoking a Marlboro 27 <laughs> and being like I think the entire world is like crushing inside of me right now and I don't even know what this is and at the time it was a I couldn't talk to anyone about what was happening and then B I no one was talking about mental health so I had no yeah. idea what was happening like all the physical symptoms I like legit thought I was dying um and that lasted for a long time like four years maybe before I even ever talked about it um and I remember like the crescendo moment was the year after I graduated school I was still living in New Orleans and I had like the most basically everything that I was scared of happening in my family like happened and I had a crescendo like the worst panic attack you can imagine like throwing up nonstop, like couldn't get out of bed couldn't like move my body it felt like the entire world was like falling on top of me and then I was like okay I need help <laughs> yeah um and I went to a psychiatrist and whatever um I went I was going through a period 
after that panic attack, like the next day I woke up and I felt like I was like just completely displaced. Like I didn't, couldn't see the world at all. I felt like I was looking like at my life from a very far away place. Mm-hmm. And I went to my psychiatrist, turned out it's like disassociation. So essentially you're like, you feel like you're walking through the world as someone else. Like you just have no connection to the world yeah. that you're in. And like, I, it was so fucking scary. Like I really thought like I was never going to get out of it. And I never got to a point where I thought I was going to kill myself or anything like that. But I, I was like, if I died, it wouldn't really matter. Cause I just d- had no connection to who I was and like what was happening. I was like, this is my house. This is my street. This is my dog. This is my boyfriend. But I like, it, d- it didn't matter. Yeah. There was like, no purpose. Yeah. No, it's so interesting. And it's, it's also just, I don't know what happens like at ages 20 21 and then like 23 24 but i can just relate so much and like that i mean for different circumstances but i think those two years are just so transformative especially the 23 24 i mean the astrology in me is like that's when your jupiter return is so that is a show your jupiter (laughs) jupiter is like (laughs) out to get you when you're 23 24 and then saturn's out to get you when you're 27 28 (laughs) but like if you No, no, no. But if you learn from the Jupiter or the Jupiter turn, the f- earlier one, your 27 or 28 year is like not bad because you've already dealt with the shit. Jupiter, so leave we're me good. alone, please. I think, I, know, I, I think we're in the clear. But I mean, I guess so. How did when you say you like knew to get help? How did you know where to get the help? Um, Honestly, like my boyfriend at the time was like you need to see a psychiatrist because it had gotten to the point that it was a burden on him because I was like unloading that on Mm -hmm. him and trying to basically be codependent as fuck and use him as like a solve for an issue that was much greater than anything that anyone should have to deal with. Yeah. I mean, as much as we don't like said person, like (laughs) (laughs) thank you. I'm glad he was able to do that. Um, But I guess what was kind of the turning point where you began to see, you know, that purpose and connect back to reality? Was it, was it more in line with the amino medication kicking in or? No, I actually, so I tried SSRIs. I had a Xanax prescription for like the bad panic attacks. Um, and I am a huge proponent of SSRIs and I think they're dope and the people that find happiness with them like go the fuck off but it just because well I'm also someone that like wants to be sharp and involved in the world all the time so I was already so blurry like adding another level of blurriness was like very jarring for me so it didn't help having the Xanax in my back pocket was dope and I honestly like never even took it it was just like a security blanket Mm -hmm. but um uh, what changed was well I stopped like drinking and doing drugs altogether and then I I was actually exercising was really scary weirdly because I had was getting so many regular panic attacks that every time like my heart raced and like got up I like self-inflicted a panic attack so I had to like slowly like go from like long walks into like slowly adjusting to exercising 
and then the biggest thing I think for me was I was living on this house on St. Charles, which was like kind of shitty and chaotic. And we moved to this house on the bayou that was like near water. And if you know me, you know, water is like my safe place. Yeah. Um, and being, and like being able to wake up at 6am and take Rue on like really long walks around the water and just like a new environment was, I think the biggest thing that changed it, but I did snap out of it eventually and was really intentional about taking care of myself and putting myself first, which is not in my nature as anyone that knows me knows. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think situation is so important. Like, even just looking at New York compared to, I mean, that's a definitely a big comparison, but New York compared to Austin was definitely something necessary for me. So after this experience, I guess, w- did you build confidence kind of from like ground zero or do you think you tap back into something that you always, all, like always had deep down? That's a good question. I, I, that experience, I think, was the biggest learning experience I've ever had in my life because it taught me that I can do more than I ever thought I could do. So I I had confidence. I've always been, like, kind of, like, a outgoing person that is good at, like, meeting people and getting along with people and understanding people. But that made me feel, like, not invincible, but that I have a power within myself that I wasn't aware of before. Yeah. Especially if you go from like feeling below worthless to just being, you know, maybe just the average level of content, it feels like a huge jump for someone who's literally had just so many traumatic experiences piling on top of them. And so Dude, magically you mundane. Gotta yeah. appreciate every moment that isn't shitty. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like these are wise words of rock of power. <laughs> <laughs> so you, when did you, uh, how long after this did you move to Austin? Um, so that was like two or three years before I moved here. Okay, so you kind of had two to three years to like really re- like build up that confidence live your best life in New Orleans, and then why'd you move to Austin? I got, I basically hit a point um, in uh, New Orleans where I I really, I love that city so much. Like, there's not a city that's more, like, uniquely magical and authentic than that city. But I am a career-driven person, and I had essentially hit a ceiling and, like, needed to do what was best for me. So I found a job here and moved here. And what was that transition like? It actually kind of sucked, to be honest. <laughs> um, which also might be the reason that, like, whenever anyone like you or anyone moves to the city, I'm, like, so adamant about making it perfect. Because, well, first of all, I was in a long-distance relationship, which anyone that's gone through that knows that fucking sucks. Um, and I was living, like, super south, like, not really close to anything. I made amazing friends at work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was taking care of Rue by myself, so I lived really far away, so, like, doing things was challenging, and I, just, like, because I was in this super codependent relationship, I wasn't that adamant about meeting new mm-hmm. people, so I, I remember, like, weekends where I just, like, sat alone on the couch, sad as fuck, like, 
yeah i'm not doing anything and i have no one to talk to um, yeah and that's, that's so hard a year <laughs> damn and then i mean you referred to him as your ex for a while so like that relationship ended and how did that affect your mental health which you like had already been what it seems like despite some lows of being like alone in austin like seen so much success and seen so much growth yeah i set you off yeah (laughs) (laughs) sorry i was like not meant to be like the most obviously yeah so for context we dated for six years covid hit in all fairness like no one could have ever predicted how shitty covid would be and how long it would have lasted but within like the first three weeks of quarantine together he basically just like got up and left one day and i hit a fucking rock bottom i remember actually like emailing my therapist and being like yo i think i'm gonna go back into that disassociative state like let's we gotta talk um and yeah i mean it was like if anyone anyone who's experienced heartbreak knows that it's just like physical pain because it's I mean it's legit the person that knows you better than anyone in the entire world that you thought loved you more than anyone in the world making the active choice to leave and that's like there's no way that you can go through that process and not have the thoughts of like what the fuck is wrong with me and like pick apart every part of yourself from physical to mental to everything like it's just that that's what happens um and yeah it like shattered me (laughs) I was like literally like couldn't get out of bed couldn't eat drinking way too much wine I broke a lot of wine glasses Tess was like come on dude that's like 10 wine glasses (laughs) in two weeks (laughs) were they the Ikea ones though what the Ikea ones though those are very no some of them are like special ones (laughs) (laughs) shout out by the way Tess Rizzuto who legit when I called her my best friend gets in the car, drives overnight, and shows up at my doorstep when, like, legit, you're not supposed to even touch people. Oh, yeah. Best bitch in the world. Mark, Catherine, you made a good one. But, yeah, like, I was a shell of myself for, like, a long time. And getting out of that process was very, very challenging. Um, and I do think, though, that every single person that goes through heartbreak has to go through that process because... Mm-hmm it's so easy to bounce back and like date the next person that comes along because they, I mean, like think about like your decision making in that time. Like you just had someone basically tell you you're a piece of shit. At least that's how you interpreted it. Sort of. So like, yeah. Yeah. One person tells you you're fucking great. You think they're the the best person on planet earth because it's such a dramatic like contrast between what you dealt with before. It's a distraction. Yeah. It's a, it's the easy way out because you don't have to a go through the process of why did I ever get into a situation in which I was so codependent on someone that I was able to break so instantly. Like I have a million wonderful people in my life, but one person leaves and all of a sudden I'm broken. Like that's fucked up. And then two, like how do I love myself again? And like the only way to go through and answer those questions is to be alone yeah. and to automatically bounce to someone else because it's like a shiny object is just, I think it's cheating yourself out of an opportunity to really love yourself and also cheating yourself out of like 
when you get into another situation, like I went through recently, there was a huge opportunity for me right there to like immediately go back into like, fuck, I'm a piece of shit. Why am I a piece of shit? But I never went through that process because I had like gained this confidence to know that like there wasn't a, the, the entire reflection process that I've been going through over the past couple of days after ending something else hasn't been about like, why do I suck? Or why? What can I change about myself? It's about like why did get back into something like this more? No, more so like what happened? What did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. What can I learn from it? And how can I make the next situation better? That's so true. I think you made such a good point. Like, if I mean, I quarantine obviously was like very difficult and like not trying to diminish anyone's experience but and I mean I got out of relationship in quarantine but it was nowhere near I mean it was six months as opposed to six years and it was kind of heading that direction anyway but I think kind of as you said there probably wasn't a worse time to have a breakup than quarantine yeah. but they're probably feels extra isolated and lonely it's like <laughs> pretty <laughs> terrible but like if you look at the flip side it kind of is it's like the I don't know, I'm trying to think like a t- the <laughs> the best like tough love friend that could happen or you, like yeah. that could be with you because no, it's, it's like a, no yeah. bitch you're not going out you're not gonna go sleep yeah. with that guy you think is cute at the bar you're gonna fucking stay in at your house and cry and put on your mask <laughs> <laughs> and say put six feet apart from everyone <laughs> and yeah like it was a blessing in disguise because exactly. I had to face it head on like I had no fucking choice but to face it head on and like I think. There's been a lot of people who were in, like, the beginning stages of relationships pre-COVID and jump right into him, them. And, like, granted, maybe that's for the best. Like, maybe, t- like, testing the waters, seeing, like, if we can do this, we can probably do a lot of shit together. But it is a slippery slope. And I think, as you mentioned, like, COVID was the best time for self-reflection. You could, and you literally had an excuse to self-reflect from anywhere between, like, 6 to 12 to 18 months. So Depending you might as well take what uh yeah (laughs) if you swing red or blue state (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean definitely like once i got here they're like okay hopefully you reflected enough now it's time to go to buford's like (laughs) no they're more like eh, don't reflect (laughs) yeah i did and that i mean and this is like an aside but just i think there's also and i've talked to like i've had so many people on the podcast say this like quarantine honestly like for someone like me who's already just such an anxious person and already like normally feels like the world's gonna end quarantine was kind of like oh like no you guys are weirded out by this like (laughs) no that's like the funniest shit dude my like whole family obviously like mental health um but (laughs) it's like so funny because everyone like my my family like thrived during that period because it was like oh so now you get it oh yeah and like you're just starting we've been yeah oh <laughs> like join the club yeah. like no I, I mean i do that's a whole other aside but breakups are like a whole other beast of like oh you already had mental illness now we're gonna just throw a wrench in it and like have fun with this new experience but i guess so how did you get out of that because i think a lot of people even those like I mean, do you think it would like you were able to pull through that confidence that you'd built up over those past four years? Uh, 
um, I think I had to recreate a new confidence after that because it truly was like the person I thought I was going to marry and like having that ripped away so quickly was fucked. Um, so therapy, <laughs> like yes. a whole shit ton of therapy, very helpful. And I think building this community in Austin was a godsend. And just, like, I guess, uh, so fucking cheesy, but, like, choosing happiness every day, actually. Like, finding the things that make me feel good and whether or not that's, like, going on a run or, like, hopping on my longboard for five seconds or listening to a song that I love or being around, uh, like, sitting on the couch with Kyla and drinking wine. Like, the things that energize me and bring me joy, cooking, being with my dog, like being intentional about making sure I make time for those things and I like another and like I guess just being comfortable and being my authentic self mm -hmm. and recognizing and like thanks to all the people around me that that's something that people want to have around them um uh, yeah, I don't know. I wish I had, like, a really good answer for this, but I don't know. It was really just, like, the process of, like, making, forcing myself to be happy, even in the days where you want to lay in bed and be sad as fuck, but just, like, doing the things that make you happy so that you can exude happiness and, by way of that, exude authenticity and, by way of that, attract the other people that are in the same mind Maybe. state. yeah. That's so interesting. And this is like, I don't know why I never put these pieces together. But, for, okay, so for anyone listening, Siobhan is like an incredible writer. Like, <laughs> it, like just has a true way with words. And just, you know, speaking from someone who also has a lot of experience <laughs> in therapy. Except for today. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, speak spoken word or written word, both great. Um, but... There is, like, science behind writing and its connection to, like, releasing and just, like, the therapy aspect of, like, putting thoughts onto paper. So, like, two questions. One, have you always been a writer? And two, did that make its way into your journey to kind of come out of depression the first time and when it happened with a heart a heartbreak? That's, oh, you're such a, like, magical nymph human um yes i've always loved writing i used to like my gifts growing up were always like journals and i wrote a ton when i was growing up not gonna brag but i won like a sixth grade poetry <laughs> new jersey contest about a poem about mars <laughs> <laughs> it was called red it was super terrible <laughs> i think if you google me you can find it <laughs> but um yeah no I've always loved writing and I think like growing up and like my parents got divorced really early on and I had a pretty tumultuous childhood so like writing was my outlet so I've always loved it and I it, the funny thing is I like always go back to it when I'm in like a dark time like I have musings from all of my sad times so like yeah when like the first rock bottom that we discussed <laughs> i have a lot of writing from them after the breakup a lot of writing from them from then and it, yeah it's like a 
it's a way for me to externalize what I'm feeling, legitimize what I'm feeling. And I think it's a really healthy practice for anyone because oftentimes you just go into like mind loops in your head and lose your shit a lot. And if you write it down, A, it just feels good to get it out somewhere, whether or not you're going to tell anyone. And then B, when you look back at it, it's like, oh, I'm actually like that was justified regardless of if it was an extreme perspective on this situation. It is justified because it was a feeling you had and you still like it's still real. Yeah. And it's also like you can kind of learn from your mistakes. Not that I think it's really a mistake, but no, that's so true. And it's funny. Like I'm thinking about all my journal entries specifically in Austin because I used to keep a journal like every day and then when I was in college, it'd be more like I documented the really good things and the really bad things. Then in Austin, it'd just been the bad things because, like, I'm having so much fucking fun that I'm like, I I don't want to, like, I want to go out. I don't want to, like, write my journal right now. So that's <laughs> mostly just times that, like, should have sucked, but <laughs> it's been rare. No, I think that's so interesting and especially, oh, and it, that's what I was going to say. It makes me think of Matthew McConaughey, how he, like, well, A, the first story when he, like, um, won that contest for, did he, did he read his book? No, I listened to one podcast where he, like, talked about a couple stories, but I don't think this one was in it. He, like, won a contest for this poetry thing he entered, but, it, like, he just fake, like, copied it straight off of, like, mm. some... <laughs> Did you hear yeah. that story? <laughs> so fucking His funny. mom was like, but you like this one better, right? Like, I do this one. Um, you hook him horns. Go Matthew McConaughey. We love him. Love him. So, this is taking a bit of, like, a hard left, but... I think I want I want to tie back the I writing. I prefer to take a hard right. Or honestly, a hard right. <laughs> I was going to say hard right, but then I was like, I don't think anyone listening will really get the fact that I'm, I didn't mean it. Whatever. I, I, this <laughs> might have to just straight go into the trash can. But I, okay. Rewind. So oh, last year, like over a year ago, I actually interviewed this guy um, from Austin before I lived here. He, like, played football at UT, whatever. So I was just curious to learn, like, what perspective of, like, a male mental health was in Austin, Texas versus yeah. in New York. I really was ahead of my times. Um, and I remember him saying something, like, he mentioned his parents were divorced, and then he mentioned that he had really big commitment issues Ooh, later on. Retweet. So um, I said, I, like, I was like, you know, I'm not meaning to overstep or, you know, diagnose you in any way but do you think that there's any way that the reason you have commitment issues could be because your parents divorced when you that happened when you were younger that he mentioned he's like keep in mind this guy's like 26 wow i never thought about it that way you're probably right bro i'm like (laughs) i said the most cliche thing ever like literally you could watch a episode of like i don't know any therapy show and be able to pull that out of your ass. Watch an episode of Millionaire Matchmaker and make that connection. Yeah. (laughs) And so I was like, what? But that's all a long way to say, do you think that your parents' divorce affected your, the way you see a potential partner and in what ways? For sure. Like, no questions about it. I saw, like, I mean, I love both of my parents' deeply so much and they are vastly 
unique and different people. And I think that I'm like a combination of both of them. And I'm so grateful for that. But they fucking hated each other. And like, it was like, like they wouldn't speak. Like when my dad got to the house, like it was like, we had to know that he was there because he wouldn't even call and say that he was there. Like we, any type of like, payment things happening happened through our hands like it was very transactional very like I don't want to be around you mm-hmm. and I hope that any relationship that I've had in the past would never end in that level of like hate um so yeah I have been extremely cautious in opening myself up to people and in investing myself in people and I would 100% rather be single for the rest of my life than ever be in that level of a toxic relationship, especially when it involves other people, like children. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's why I'm a guarded person. And it's not even just them. Like, my entire family, everyone's divorced. Like, my grandparents, everyone. Yeah. Like both my grandpas cheated on my grandmas. Like, I am the really bad combination of an extreme romantic like rom-coms are my shit and i want that so badly but i also am extremely afraid of it i think in many ways though you're like life has kind of experienced both of those like your first relationship is i think a reaction and and granted like to anyone listening i'm not licensed and i cannot like say this with any clinical background but you know a lot of that type of relationship leads to codependency and then a lot of it leads to like being really self-guarded and so like you hit the nail on the head on being a like very self-guarded romantic kind of and I guess how then after you know experiencing that then experiencing just like a fucking insane breakup have you managed to come back and like how do you look at relationships now after all of that I think like the pivotal shift that I made because dating is hard and anyone that's going through it right now, I feel for you because it's rough and it's a very long series of high highs and low lows. That moment where you're like, oh my God. And then you're like, oh no, fuck. You like have major mommy issues or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the shift in perspective that I made was, well, A, I have... Like, I love surrounding myself with friends, and friends are great. And, like, the idea that you can get everything from one person is so absurd. Like, I'm friends with you for certain reasons. I'm friends with Dakota for certain reasons. I'm friends with Kyla for certain reasons. And, like, we feed off each other and give each other whatever we can in that situation. But to, like, expect that from one human being is freaking absurd. It's like like when people are like, oh, they're my best friend. No, they're not. They're not your best friend. Bro, use that word wisely. <laughs> but, yeah, like, it's it's it, insane to abs- assume that, A, that you're going to get all you need from one person and also that that person's going to give you everything. And to get, like, upset over it is usually illogical because, I like, I'm one person that has one specific personality and like I can't expect to give you everything that you need because what are the fucking chances yeah and so to set that expectation first like chances are hopefully we'll be friends through all of this and we'll learn a lot from each other but like chances are this isn't gonna work out because it's just 
statistically improbable. Yeah. But then beyond that, like being really thoughtful about in every engagement that you have, if it's good or shitty or whatever, that like you're going to learn something from it mm-hmm. and you have to be like a not a cocky asshole about it. And regardless of how it goes and if you really tried really hard to make it go well and it didn't go well, like no matter what, you probably did something wrong along the way or you whether or not that was to the other person or to yourself. But there, it's a learning experience. And mm-hmm. if you at least go through every situation one day, three months, however long it lasts and recognize that okay someone came into my life I learned something from it and now I can arm myself with that information to be a better person next time and grow and hopefully hurt the next person a little less or I will hurt a little less in the next time and if you treat it as an exercise in like personal growth and also like ideally growth for that other person then it becomes a lot less scary damn that's like straight up advice I guess with things that have happened recently, how have you, like, because you just articulated that so perfectly. Did I? Yeah, like, <laughs> very, like, very perfectly. <laughs> but, like, how did you, so, you know, I feel like advice is a lot easier to say it than to, like, take it yourself. Have you been able to take that advice? Yeah. No, I, I think my biggest learning experience from the past situation, which I guess should probably provide some context but essentially if I liked someone which is very rare for me and it didn't work out and it ended kind of tumultuously um and part of the reason for that I think is because I was guarded as we discussed before so for me I think the well two things and also it was like very high intensity very quickly yeah and I think the two learning experiences for me were a like reserve your time for the people that you know have earned it and b maybe just like take like one little brick out of the great wall of china and like (laughs) ease up a little bit yeah (laughs) no I think that's so true I guess so if you could go back in time and I'll, like, I'll let you choose the situation because you've just given, like, such, like, clear advice that I think that you'd probably give yourself last year or, like, last March or whenever the first, you know, big breakup happened. What would you tell yourself back when you were at that really low point in New Orleans? Oh, back when the disassociative shit was yeah, like Yeah, like, if you had to tell yourself something. Oh, God, what a hardcore question. Um, I know. I, I like, said got asked this once, and I was like, I'm just going to ask this to every single person now. I think I would tell myself... Oh, yeah, you asked this to Sarah, too, didn't you? I think I would tell myself that you have no idea what lives inside of you and the capabilities that exist inside of you, and you are the only person that will ever be in control of your own happiness and your own destiny and like trust yourself bitch go off bitch because you rock bitch yeah (laughs) i love that and (laughs) i think like i don't know it's like so hard to hear it but i think that's why i just like love that question because the only person at that time i think i would have listened to would be myself in the future 
been like, damn, she's like living in Austin. Like, Dude, I want to talk life. to my like 85 year old self. Yeah, I she's going to be some crazy ass bitch. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to now wrap up with my final questions that I always end with. First question being, what's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? I mean, all the shit I talked about, but I'll add ruin there. Getting yeah. a dog. Mm. Highly Light recommend. of my life. Don't shop, adopt. Yeah, adopt, don't shop, bitches. But oh, also, she's like, like, staring. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, this dog is everything to me. So Shout out, Rue. She's like, I have no idea why they're <laughs> staring at me. No, she knows. Next question. <laughs> Uh, do you have a favorite quote or a mantra that you live by? <laughs> um, well, I feel I like you have a lot. I have so many fucking mantras. I'm such a cheesy bitch. Live, laugh, love. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I this one that my mom says. I it was like in our kitchen growing up, and I love it. But it's uh, the world won't stop. If the dishes go unwashed, but what will happen if playtime goes unplayed? Oh my god, I love that. Yeah, I feel like my mom really could have used that in our kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> and like, love you, mom. But also like, like, trigger warning for OCD people. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> our dishes were never washed, but we also didn't look play at my that fucking much. apartment. Clearly, I don't care about the dishes being washed. <laughs> That's a great one. I was thought I was like also thinking just go off. <laughs> Yeah, go off, Jean LaRue. We love you. Um, next question: What do you love most about yourself? Uh, I love most that I try, and I definitely fuck up often. But I like do think that my purpose in life is to give to others and be a good person to others. I would have to agree with that, and like. I think both other people and dog in this <laughs> situation would as well. I was like, really? Because you gave me a mushroom. Dog. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, too soon, mom. <laughs> Haven't had time to reflect, yeah. She's like, okay, Ruby, you're reflecting right now. Um, and last question, which is the name of the podcast, is how do you find solace in the city? So, I guess, how do you find solace in Austin, Texas. Do you ask that question if people live in like rural Alabama? So <laughs> it used to be my, it's like now kind of, it's a, honestly a clarifying moment that needed to happen. But originally it was only going to be people in New York City. So like, how do you find solace in the city? New York. Like sex in the city, Schmidt. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then, um, <laughs> <laughs> it was like boring. <laughs> next episode um <laughs> but then i started having like people who were virtual and then like pandemic happened so that's when i had freaking like random football player from austin who i found on tiktok being like hey like want to come talk uh-huh, about your feelings? relatable everyone um, <laughs> <laughs> want to come on my podcast and he was like didn't make the connection <sighs> shout out um if you're listening and then I, and like if then it became just like city, but like whatever city means to you. So it can either be whatever city means to you or like in no, Austin. I, no, yeah. Um, I find solace as an extreme, extreme extrovert. Um, like 
there's no time in my life that I feel more full and happy and myself than when I'm around the people that like I love and know me for who I am no I so agree it's it's the energy of the people and the like genuinely good people and that is really I think what life is all about 100% and that's why people should move to Austin <laughs> Sarah and I were like plugging it so hard last time but like don't because I'm really struggling to find a house to move to. <laughs> <laughs> just wait a little let me know when I sign my lease. Um, Shiv, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How about to wrap it up, you read us something that you've written down and explain a little bit, you know, behind it. Okay, yeah. I wrote this um, right after my best friend went through one of the worst things that any human being can ever go through. And it was a very sad time, but it was also a very... Uh, it was a big time for growth, essentially. Mm. Okay. Um, this past week has been nothing short of a tidal wave. The anxiety, the sadness, the uncertainty were all real as fuck. But it was also an opportunity to step back and realize what's important. To marvel at the mundane, to smile at the silver linings, to find comfort in the uncomfortable. Tragedy shines a special light in that way. So keep checking on your friends and family and squeeze your loved ones so fucking tight. Life is short, but it's also beautiful, and every moment should be treated as such. Mm, that's beautiful. Flash this as my phone background. <laughs> <laughs> Cheesy, but, you know. No, like, it literally up. is my phone background, or my old phone case that said, make sure your friends are okay. Perfect. Well, Shiv, thank you so much for coming on. Where can everyone follow you? <laughs> Um, you know, listen to your music. I don't want to put that on anyone. <laughs> S- maybe like, like, ask for advice on things. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know what? If you do want to chat, uh, you can get my number through Zoe directly. <laughs> Fair answer. All right. Thanks again, and bye, everyone. All right. Love you, Zoe.